Welcome to the My Muy Bueno Chefs Get Personal podcast. I'm your host, Justine Murphy, founder and CEO of My Muy Bueno. I'll be interviewing a different chef each fortnight, but asking the very same questions and their answers are all very different, which is what makes each interview so inspiring. And back again, back again with another amazing chef for you. Hope everyone is good. Hope you've had a brilliant past two weeks in all the ways. This chef, what a treat to have him here. I just nabbed him because he was over doing a four-hands dinner with another guest coming up, being Adam Handling. It's the amazing Kirk Westaway, all the way from Singapore. Devon boy, though, so he's came back and yeah, nabbed him to come and have him for interview. We didn't interview him before for My Muy Bueno Chefs Get Personal a few years ago. So it was super lovely to have him here in person interviewing him. And uh, well, here we go. Let's head straight into the interview. Okay, welcome, Kirk Westaway. Thank you. All the way from Singapore, <laughs> just for the day. <laughs> You've had a busy few weeks here in England? Absolutely, yeah. Busy few days recently, and we had a great week last week with Adam in, in Frog as well. It was amazing. I was privileged to eat and enjoy the whole Thanks incredible. It was amazing. Really great. Great dynamic between both your teams. Really lovely. So, how old are you, Kirk? 37. Are you? Oh, still a baby. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you call Sorry. it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seven's a good age, great age, okay. And how old were you when you first started cooking professionally? I'd say probably 18, around there. In kitchens, okay. younger than that, but... Um, okay. Kind of looking at it, well, 18, maybe 20. In kitchens from a young age, but really looking at professional and kind of fine dining Michelin from around 18 to 20. Around wow. There. I mean, at 37, I mean, you've accomplished a lot in that time between then and now already then. Yeah. Amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. I guess we're doing okay. Yeah, yeah doing really well. <laughs> Fantastic. So what would you say would be your earliest and fondest first memory of food? Obviously, a lot of us grew up in households with the parents cooking. My mum classically was a great cook. And okay. in our home in Devon, we had a couple of gardens and we, we grew a lot of vegetables. And Wow. Do a lot of just salad products like tomatoes and cucumbers, rhubarb, potatoes, tomatoes, and apples and pears and cherries in the right season. Nice. So I didn't really realize I had beautiful ingredients because you're just a kid. So you, you realize when you step out of your hometown, you realize that these amazing ingredients are not everywhere. You start to realize the difference between quality that you grow in beautiful organic surroundings and just the crap you can buy in supermarkets. And uh, I think that was my haha moment. When I stepped out of my home like 18 years old, I went to live in France for a, for a while on a mission star when I was 18. And then I realized, well, it's a, it's a different environment all over. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. But I mean, obviously, the produce in France must have been It was very, very good. But you, just, you just detected this difference. You know, if you go to a, a cheaper restaurant, and we didn't, I never ate in restaurants as a kid, never ever until I was old enough, but um, old enough to kind of buy your own or go to your own restaurants. Okay. It wasn't a family thing we did. It was always food Eating at home. At home. And, um, and then when I went to France, you do realize you kind of fend for yourself to just buy and source regular ingredients. It was a, it was a different environment. Okay. And that appreciation for those homegrown, yeah, exactly. full of love ingredients back in Denver. Learning the appreciation for what you have at home. 100%. Which chefs inspire you most and why? I think chefs... Obviously, I could list a long list. But <laughs> Everyone always gets a bit flustered on this question. It's difficult it like, to, to list because so many, so many friends. 
I think um, my mentor, obviously I worked with Julian Royer for a long time. We're very, very close friends and we still are. And I think what he, he taught me and what he still lives and breathes is just, it's all based on ingredients. You cannot make a good meal without the best ingredients. And that's something that's resonated through me since young. And he still lives and breathes it. I live and breathe it. And all the kind of top chefs that I know around the world are 100% in the same direction of this opinion and belief as well. You can't make a good meal unless you begin at the, at the base zero with the best ingredients you could possibly find. Great. And that's the, the chefs that I respect the most ones understand that philosophy. Okay, fantastic. Good. What's your two favorite cookbooks and why? Also tricky. <laughs> <laughs> you had to have two that you really have kind of inspired you or you've I'm, learned I'm from or big, well flipped through. I, mean, I haven't seen a lot of cookbooks recently. I'm a big fan of Simon Rogan and what he does. Okay. Been good friends for a long time. And he brought out a book a little while ago, and I think it's just a homage to what he does and who he is as a person. I mean, he's obviously a great chef, and he deserves all the accolades. But also, he's been focused on growing and farming for as, as long as I know him, as long as his career has been going, as long as, as long as Long Clume has been there. And I think it, it's been a huge part of the operation of the restaurant. And I love his belief and philosophy about growing the vegetables so much. Attention and detail goes into it before you even think about the dish three months before you're, you're planting the seeds for the peas and then you're thinking about the dishes later on in the season. And this is a, a cookbook that I like and respect quite a lot. And then um, classic like you know, French laundry or something, I believe this, this changed a lot of people's opinions on, on food and, and presentation and just yes. knowledge of every element that goes into the book really was a changing point for a lot of chefs around the world. And people still revert back to them. I mean, it's probably 20 years old, this book, to still look back at it and get inspired by the dishes is... Um, it's fantastic pages and a big inspiration for myself and many people. Good. Great. Now, it's always an interesting one. Which two ingredients could you not live without? Salt and butter. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'm a big fan of butter. Obviously, coming from Devon. Okay, of course. But, um, Proper Devon. Yeah. Doing an accident. Devon we, don't, butter. we don't use a lot of dairy, but I think butter is something that's it's very crucial to day life. And salt, you know, we have a few different styles of salt in the restaurant. Okay. Um, what types of salt do you have? Well, shamefully, I, I, I prefer fleur de sel, which is... Oh, not Malden then. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of Malden and the, the Cornish sea salt as well. Okay. It's just the minerality that you find from fleur de sel is something I appreciate a bit more. And the sel de grand, this grey salt for, for just raw cooking or blanche of veg, I think is something that's just very, very natural and... and heavily mineral as opposed to a bit more sweet or acid you get from other salts. Okay. Big supporter of the English salts, of course, but in, in Singapore, I've got a pantry of availability from all around the world. And, wow. And I like to source that and it's just my, my particular favourite. Fantastic. Great. What is your favourite comfort food to cook at home? Burnt cabbage. Burnt cabbage, roasted and braised in the oven with some roasted onions and, and um, a stick of bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah braised sounds... in braising chicken stock and roasted off of vegetables and just burning off and Dunk roasting. With bread in and... Oh, that sounds delicious. Ve vegetarian. I normally always cook vegetarian food at home. Really? Okay. And I grew up vegetarian, but Oh really? Wow. All those veggies in the garden there to my, be. My mum and sisters are vegetarian because mum was the cook, you know, so me and my dad, dad. and sisters just all we were given. So wow. I kind of grew up vegetarian and veered off track as a teenager. Okay. And then carried on. And obviously, I really respect the amazing meat and fish that's available around the world, coming from beautiful farms and beautiful environments. Um, but I find myself cooking more vegetarian at home. It's just bigger appreciation for the quality of the ingredients you can find and source and work with at home. 
Are you predominantly vegetarian? Not at all. Say? Not at no? all. No. Okay. So enjoy. Day by day, I have, you know, enjoy. Have a steak and if someone I go to a okay. restaurant or at work, you'll tend to eat all day night. Depends something. what I need to do, but um, okay. I, I do appreciate vegetarian food. Like, and it's in in the restaurant in Jan in Singapore, we have two menus. One is regular meat and fish, and yep. then with an influence of vegetables, it's quite quite a strong part of the menu. Nice. And the other is a vegetarian menu. And we find a lot of clientele are kind of veering towards a vegetarian option because they're interested and intrigued as to what we're creating on this vegetarian side Fantastic. of the world. Fantastic. And probably a really good vegetarian menu as well, unlike nice. some, which is just like, mm, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Not much love going we, into it. But we it do sounds like quite, got... quite unique, I think. Okay, wonderful. If you could eat at any Michelin star restaurant in the world today, where would it be and why? Oh, these are quite specific questions. Really <laughs> upset a lot of people. Sorry. Around the world. <laughs> You're not the only one who's been kind of stuck in a corner to answer I, I, them. I, so. tell, I went last year for my first time to Alan Bassard. I mean, it's it's probably a very classic, obvious answer. I was just at his garden recently, a few months ago, oh, really? to but eat at his garden. It, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Really? Vis- visually, he's not working towards it in Arpege. He's not working towards, you know, flowers of tweezers and dots of puree. It's all about flavour. He's growing the best ingredients you can find anywhere in the world. Of, yeah. And every dish blew my mind. It was incredible. And uh, I think that's, that was, I'd love to visit for another season and try the menu again. And you, you hear a real diversity between people around the world. Some people love it or hate it. Yeah, and apparently he loves the fact that people don't enjoy it because these people don't understand what he's trying to create. And he was yeah. so far ahead of the game 20 or 30 years ago telling the world, I'm no longer creating meat or fish in a menu, it's 100% huge, vegetarian. Right. It's huge. Right. Nobody else did it. 20 years later, people are starting to do it around the world. And I love this bold movement he chose to do. And look at where he is now. And it, it literally every dish blew my mind of quality and flavor and richness and seasoning. It was incredible. So that's somewhere I'd love to go back and try a different seasonal menu. Trying to his garden as well. It was amazing. What yeah. an experience. Uh, great thing. Him so. and his son and team. And it was Beautiful. And again, every dish, just the simplicity, the letting the ingredients speak for themselves, the most incredible tomato that I've ever eaten. I mean, just, yeah, it, yeah it, the quality amazing. is insane. And you need to go there to believe it because you see the pictures. I mean, they're not really, uh, not beautiful dishes, I'm afraid, no, but, but then you, you taste it. The quality is. Some of my friends went recently on social media and you, you see some people in tears with how blown away their experience is to eat this food. Yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, that's probably, probably top of my list right now. Wonderful. Great. And, well, who did you take as your guest when you went? <laughs> or um, who would you take again if you were to go again? Well, obviously, I'd, I'd love to take my wife with me. Um, that would be the, the first choice. Yeah. Um, I was with my, my best friend, who's Stephen Mason, and he's a director of Odette in Singapore. Oh, wonderful. So we've been friends, went to college together when we were 16 years old, oh. catering college, and just, just carried on together. And he obviously runs Odette, the free mission staff, one of the top in Asia, top in the world restaurants. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and yeah, we went. We were in France together, so we went for lunch together. Because you've, so you've been. A, has he been out in Singapore as long as you? Then Did a bit you guys less, go maybe out a couple of years later. So he, he came to visit me, and the whole introduction between him and Julian, and uh, and they opened Odette together. So oh wow! An amazing experience. That's incredible. Yeah. We're all pretty close in Singapore. Everyone's good friends, and it's under a small roof, but everyone's got a close connection. And and when possible, pre-COVID, we were meeting up as a big group of chefs and a. 30 or 40 Michelin star chefs all getting together and lunch and dinner and beers. And oh, I bet. It's a, it's Amazing. It's a great, great environment. Yeah, it sounds like it. Wow. Now, talking about chefs, what do you look for in a good chef? If I'm hiring or just in general? Yeah, if you're hiring. 
Uh, someone that doesn't ask how long the hours are, I guess, is, is quite... <laughs> how much you're buying. <laughs> yeah, those would be the first two questions to avoid. Just people that are interested, really. Um, people that know a little bit about the restaurant. People okay. that know a little bit about ingredients. And you don't necessarily need a background of fine dining restaurants, Michelin restaurants around the world. As long as you're very keen and very interested to, to learn and progress and to really dive into what we're doing in the restaurant, I think I'd be very interested to meet you. Great. What advice would you give to chefs starting their career paths now? Yeah, this is another one of those questions that it kind of changes over the years, doesn't it? Because people have changed immensely after COVID. Uh, I think the best advice is just to go on your little social media accounts, find a chef that you like the look of the food. Doesn't matter about the kitchen, doesn't matter about the accolades. Find someone that you like, which you're going to enjoy and you really feel you can learn from it. Make your choice and stay there. I mean, when I was a kid in London 15 years ago, everyone, the, the minimum amount was one year, ideally two years you do in each restaurant. Now it's a bit less, something's happened and kids are kind of jumping out of the trade a bit quicker and jumping from restaurant to restaurant. Yeah. Do a year, do the whole season at least. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, you can decide if you want to carry on, learn more from the chef, more from the team. You make amazing friends and amazing people. Just stick at it, do one year. If you're not confident at the end, then do something else. But do at least one year, whether it's tough, whether it's Stick easy, it whether you get a little bit of a shout at you, whatever happens in, in the day-to-day, yeah. just suck it up. Endure yeah. the, the year, get through it, and then you can decide at the end. Ideally, do more time, but just get that year done. That's the Undy key. about Right. How has the pandemic affected your restaurant? And how did you adapt and evolve throughout? During, so in Singapore, we had around approximately three months lockdown. I think it was a bit longer in London, wasn't it? Yeah, I was in Spain. I had three months over okay. there at the time, yeah. And then it was another three months here when, yeah. when I got here. So, yeah. yeah we had a, f- <laughs> a few months and then a, a, another month or so after. Um, for the first one, we we looked into takeaway, but the market was saturated in right. Singapore. Everybody wanted to do the same. I'm situated in a big hotel in Singapore. And Jan by Kirk Westway is on the top level, level 70. So we've got one of the best iconic views over the whole country. The classic Singapore skyline of the, the Singapore wheel and then the MVS and the boat on top. It's um, very impressive. And during the pandemic, really, it wasn't worth us trying to do. So we, we shut down all the operation. Um, we didn't lose a single member of staff, which was the key. Every single person was distributed into other areas of the hotel. Um, not one person went unpaid and not one person was laid off, which was Amazing. Um, Incredible. A, a great claim for us. And it, we had the, the possibility to do that due to the fact of a large hotel. Yes, of course. But we could fluctuate between options and putting people in different operations within the hotel that were still creating takeaways or still organizing somehow. Okay. Amazing. And then towards the end, we created a casual concept, which we called... The Casual, which is a kind of very British gastro pub, but using the same philosophy of amazing ingredients, amazing produce, and the best, and you know, organic and well-sourced meat and fish from around the world. And we created a casual, so the best fish and chips you tried, and an amazing Scotch egg of organic Irish pork, oh, and these amazing fun. Japanese. Eggs. So we had a great time, and it, yeah. was, it was really at a moment when nobody was opening restaurants in Singapore, so we were the talk of the town, and everyone was coming. There was people from all That's around so the country. Finally getting out of lockdown and just having comforting food. food Real food, real tasty, really good ingredients. And and it was huge. It was a talk of the town and people loved what we were doing. So that was a fun time before we opened up Jan again and we brought all of our team and staff and 
put them in and, and uh, you know, polish the tables and got going got again. Back and in, yeah. grind everything back, back up again. Back into where we were. Amazing. And masks now have all gone, I believe, over there. Is that... Masks is on, still on public transport. Okay. Um, which is fair enough. And yeah. it's, it's quite, quite but easy. But no longer just restaurants and things anymore, no. which is much better. Okay, good. So what a crazy world a we've lived in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Final question. Can you share any wisdom from the experience so far with others? on the back of the pandemic, have you changed and has your cooking changed? Uh, I believe it's matured all of us. It was really interesting. Uh, during the pandemic, during lockdown, I communicated with a lot of chefs around the world. Social media was the key to keep in touch with people and meet new people. I met loads of you know, people via your site as well. We, we spoke a little bit and just communicated with chefs in every country around the world. So I believe it's, it's managed community. to build a tighter community and just connect us all and just have a really good brotherhood over the seas. Yeah. It was a difficult moment, but a great moment. We're kind of leaning that, on one another and we were, yeah, the world looking for ideas things. and looking for suggestions what people are doing in their restaurants in other parts of the world and and looking what we were doing here. Uh, I think it's it's really matured the F and B industry. Everybody yeah. had to have options of diversity, what they could do. Are they going to create takeaway? Are they going to go casual? What are they going to need to close down? Or Yeah, yeah. Well, these guys have got this concept they're doing. Oh, that could work for us. Or, I mean, it yeah, and it's unity together. creativity to, come, yeah. to make something very special. Yeah. And yeah, I, I learned a lot. My key was to kind of come back after the pandemic and simplify a little bit, just yeah. make it as simple as possible, just because we don't know where we are. We don't know if we're going to close again in a couple of weeks. We don't know who's going to be here. Go full guns. Front of house, back of house, people are going to be hanging around. Let's yeah. just simplify, refine every single dish, and just focus on the quality. And that was the main Bring objective. Bring it back to it, basics it again. Been. And it, it adjusted my style of cooking a little bit, my style of presentation and the style of food, but really refined what I've been trying to do for a long time. And it couldn't be happier. Now, obviously, we got the second star a couple of years ago. And Congratulations for that. That's amazing. Yeah. And to have that after the pandemic was a, a great testament of what we're doing and what we believe in and what we've done for you know, 10 years. I've been in Singapore in this restaurant. So to get it after all this and, and after that Clouts, difficult that couple of years. that credibility and that acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, wow. We're thrilled. Amazing. Right. Well, that's it. That's everything. That's <laughs> yeah. the whole interview. Is right. I mean, congratulations. Well done. Thank I you. am going to come. I yes, am. I'm sure, I am. Sure. <laughs> we're waiting for you. Yeah, we'll hold you a table. But yeah. now, so we're closed. But um, oh, okay. So not just. Oh, well, when you when you do year. come, we'll be open. When are you reopening? November. November time. Okay, that's Which great. gives me the opportunity to be here, see family, see friends. You Fantastic. Know, visit everyone in. in so you're the doing UK a refurb at the moment, then, or we've yeah we stripped out the whole kitchen, the restaurant, and the entrance. Oh wow! Obviously, on level seventy, we've got quite a dramatic entrance out of the elevator. So we stripped it all down and, and just putting it all new works, a very new, exciting design in the restaurant, and making something quite quite dynamic and unique. Fantastic. Um, and likewise in the kitchen, and then obviously a whole new menu and a whole new design and. Wow. I look forward to welcoming you over there soon. Thank you very much. I can't <laughs> wait. Thank you so much. Thank Gert. you. Yeah. Good to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Lovely stuff. Hope you all enjoyed Kirk's interview. And that is it for another episode. Keep well, keep busy. Do keep sharing this podcast with everyone. Let's make it a cult podcast for chefs. Come on, foodies. Let's just spread the word. Please rate it five stars. Please share away. Go follow us on Mind Muy Bueno Chefs and use our hashtag Mind Muy Bueno Chefs and posting just to be part of our ever-growing Mind Muy Bueno community and everything that I've got going on here in Planet Mind Muy Bueno. That's it for today. 
keep well, keep all your ducks in a row, keep powering on, and I'll be back in two weeks' time. <laughs>